Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And tonight we have a blockbuster show coming up in about an hour, and you definitely want to stay tuned for this. We have former Trump trade advisor and longtime ally of former President Trump, Peter Navarro, is going to join us to talk about the January 6th committee revelations or lack thereof. Uh, Also, does he still think that President Trump is going to run in 2024? We're going to talk about some of the numbers tonight, especially regarding President Biden. And boy, is he tanking big time. Um, He's obviously battling COVID, but he's battling some horrible poll numbers. And we're going to talk about that with Peter Navarro. What does he think? And also, what does he think? Because he is also facing two counts of criminal contempt of the January 6th committee for defying them, just like Steve Bannon did. Remember, Steve Bannon was ordered to appear and he said, I'm not going to that. I have executive privilege because, you know, I'm an advisor to the president. I shouldn't have to. And he was charged with two counts of contempt. He was found guilty, as you know, very publicly last week. So I'll be asking Peter Navarro about that. There's a lot to talk about. Peter also has a brand new book out. And we're going to be talking about that as well. It is called Taking Back Trump's America. And right now, looking at the poll numbers, a lot of people would like a change in the White House. So we're going to talk about that tonight again. Peter Navarro going to be joining us one of Trump's closest allies in about an hour here on the Rita Cosby Show. And I can't wait to talk with him about that. Of course, one of the big issues, if you are President Trump or someone working with him and you look back and you go, wait a minute, look at where things are in America today, particularly the economy and crime, crime, crime. And some stunning things that have just happened literally in the last like two or three days It's like every time you turn around, some of these different footage and different images and different pictures that you see are just mind-blowing. And I want to hear your thoughts tonight as to just how different America looks and how much more unsafe it looks and how much more broken down it looks, not just the economy, but crime, crime, crime. It is everywhere. And how big of an issue do you think that crime is going to be? First off, with the midterms right around the corner and also in 2024 for the presidency, I think it's going to be an enormous issue because if people don't feel safe and they're worried about inflation, worried about so many issues tied to security, tied to crime, that is a catastrophic sort of formula and a catastrophic basically indictment on the party in power, and that is the Democrats, because they not only control the House, but they control the Senate. They control the White House, of course. And so I think crime is going to be a huge issue. And I know I'll be thinking about it when I go to the voting booth. You know, I'll be thinking about, gosh, 
who is going to maintain law and order, who's going to care about our streets, who's going to care about our school kids, who's going to care about people who are working in businesses that are getting robbed and broken into. And there are so many of these random attacks that we have seen of late that to me are really, really concerning. I mean, there is such a disturbing, disturbing trend that we're seeing in every city across America, but particularly, by the way, the top 10 worst cities for crime in America happen to be run by Democrats. So what a surprise that it's these blue cities where crime is skyrocketing across America. Unfortunately, it's skyrocketing in almost every city. So what is the White House doing? What are Democrats doing? They're talking about climate change. They're talking about windmills. Are you kidding me? People are so worried. And we saw even the craziness that happened with Jose Alba in the last few weeks. That's that New York bodega worker who he gets charged when he's defending himself. And now in the last few days, this to me is just stunning. Some of the examples that we have seen. Uh, First off, Did you see this video, oh my gosh, of this Brooklyn pastor who is live streaming his sermon before his church? He is literally speaking at his church, talking about faith and, you know, all these beautiful values. And suddenly these armed gunmen come in and rob him. Take a listen as this is being described. Here's a little bit of the live stream because it's unbelievable. If you haven't seen the footage... I mean, have you ever seen a pastor literally being robbed live, coming in, these armed guys, basically going for his jewelry and other people? It is stunning. Here it is. What you about to go through? Yo. Yo. All right, right, right. All right, right. Yo, all right, all right. Wow. Nobody move. A a church service isn't sacred, isn't sacrosanct. You're in trouble if you're preaching in a full church and it's being live streamed and someone's still going to rob you on that. I mean, that to me is absolutely stunning. And then there's the case also in New York where someone who's walking down the street gets hit by a vehicle And you would think, okay, and then suddenly you see the people coming out of the vehicle and you think that they're going to maybe help the guy because clearly he's been hit and he's unconscious. And what do they do? They get out of their vehicle and they rob him. I mean, it's like, it's like, are you kidding? How brazen and how callous and just how like insensitive these criminals are these days, because guess what? They know they can get away with it. They know because of the revolving door of justice that is in places like New York and California and Chicago and so many other cities across this country. They know if they get busted, they're going to be back out on the street again. Not to worry. No problems with that. So what do you attest all this brazenness from these individuals who are getting busted, who don't seem to care, and many of them are repeat offenders. The number to call is 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Do you see it, too, that people are getting just much more brazen with their crimes, much more public with their crimes, much more um, hateful with their crimes? I mean, so many of these cases where they're just attacking just people who are walking down the street, walking by them on the subway, 
random attacks left and right, brazen attacks where they even know there's going to be surveillance video or somebody's going to be live streamed. They just do not care. And to me, that is really, really scary place. And that's why government needs to get a handle on it. Our leaders need to get a handle on it. And they need to, like, face up to the facts as to why this is happening and so many factors that are involved. The other case, too, is of this guy who is jumping the turnstile. He and another one are jumping this turnstile. This happened in New York. 16-year-old. Seen battling with the cops when they arrest him at the 125th Street Lexington Avenue train station. Where are the old days? Like, my goodness, if a cop like ever stopped me now or even when I was like a 16 year old to be like, officer, what, what can I do? These people are punching. You see this one guy is punching the cop over and over again. He's literally like punching him repeatedly. It looks like 18 to 20 punches were hit in the cop's head. It's an African-American guy who jumps a turnstile, an African-American cop, and the guy is just punching him over and over again as if he doesn't even care that he's a police officer. It is the most astounding thing. The cop is trying to stop him to say, hey, you know, you, you shouldn't be jumping the turnstiles. Guess what? The guy turns out that he has a prior, what a surprise, uh, arrested for a loaded gun and a robbery. And guess what? He was released. Already, after he assaulted an officer, he's charged with assaulting an officer and resisting arrest, and the guy has been released already. So what is the solution to all of this? I mean, why is this happening? This, to me, is stunning, and we have to break this system. How could somebody, a 16-year-old, start pounding the head of a police officer? He's, like, wrestling with him. And he's like beating the heck out of him and has no regard that he's a police officer, just doesn't even care. He is so brazen. And this is somebody, again, who had a prior of arrested for a loaded gun and a robbery. So he's got all these priors. But that doesn't seem to matter when he goes before the judge. They arrest him after he's charged with assaulting, viciously assaulting a police officer. And I'd like to know, I don't know what the condition of the officer is, but that officer was just getting pounded. Absolutely pounded. What if he had killed the officer? Would he get out the next day, too? I mean, what is coming to this? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Michael in New Jersey. Michael, your thoughts about all this? Yeah, hi, Rita. Uh, all of this uh, actions against police officers started about four years ago, five years ago, when uh, police officers during the summer were attacked by with water balloons and, and with uh, people throwing water on them, and de Blasio did nothing. He allowed that to happen, and it showed that he didn't support the police, and the police were out there on their own. You know, and I have a family. Uh, we probably have five people in our family that are current on the job or retired from the job, recently retired from the job, and they can't wait to get out. I I know. Isn't that sad? By the way, I have a couple friends who are in NYPD, and several of them have left because they just say it's it's not worth it anymore. They they don't feel like, as you say, leadership has their back, um, and they just feel it's, it's just gotten so horrible. They feel so constrained on what they can do. 
But you, you bring up a great point, Michael, because I remember that scene where the officers were there and suddenly they're throwing, you're right, the water balloons at them, those huge balloons. And the officers just felt like they couldn't do anything, like they like they would get in trouble, basically, if they responded. And to me, that what a sad testament that we've come to that, where our officers are basically getting you know, water balloons are worse. How about also, you know, you think of the riots, you think about the, you know, the riots of summer of 2020, Michael, when officers were having like bricks thrown at their heads. Remember that? And there was one officer that had a chair thrown over his head and beaten on the head. I mean, and and for the first few days of those riots, Michael, the thing that angered me so much was that law enforcement felt that they couldn't respond, like they felt like they were like they were basically scared to respond. And then finally, uh, Mayor de Blasio finally like put on his big boy pants and basically let them do their job. And they were able to clamp down because they're the best of the best. They were able to finally clamp down on the riots. But for several days, New York City burned. And that happened in so many cities across America, Michael. So many cities across America, the law enforcement just feel like they are working with one hand or both hands tied behind their backs uh, and can't really respond. They're afraid about internal affairs calling them in. They're afraid that leadership's going to question them. Um, I mean, what a sad place to be. Michael, thank you very, very much. And you know what? I, I want to play actually a comment now because this is Katie Pavlich. Uh, Cut 21. And Katie Pavlich uh, today on Fox News basically said all the way to the top. And we're talking about like President Biden basically has had his focus on looking at the cops versus the cons. Take a listen. For a year and a half, the Biden Justice Department, since Joe Biden has been in the White House, has been spending more time investigating police departments than they have been investigating criminals for federal crimes in jurisdictions where the local DAs won't prosecute. So they're not willing to go in and say, okay, well, your local DA won't hold you accountable for violent crimes against innocent people in the street. Well, we're going to come in and do that. That's something that Bill Barr did during his time at the Justice Department. When you hear that and you go, oh my goodness, you know, what, you know, it's true. It's true. They are spending much more time looking into the cops, looking into their investigation, looking into details of that. And not looking into the cop, the cons that are over and over and over again. It is like a broken cycle. And they're not looking at the root of the problem, the cons that are doing it and consistently doing it and getting out. Like the guy I mentioned, the guy beats a cop, punches him 18 to 20 times, and he's out. What has come to our society And how do we change this? And how bad has it gotten that you can beat a police officer, you can be a repeat offender, and you can still get out? 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Sadly, the Eagles are talking, but there is something we can do. 
We can change some of the bail laws. We can make sure that we go after the thugs and make sure that people know, especially if they hit a cop or rob a pastor in the middle of a church service or hit somebody and then try to rob them. I mean, these just horrible, heinous crimes, they should have the book thrown at them. How are they walking the streets, especially many of them? are repeat offenders. We know the guy who was pounding the cop's head is a repeat offender. Take a listen. This is Judge Janine Pirro talking about how so gutsy and brazen, sadly, criminals have become in the last two or three years. We have become so desensitized in the last two years since Joe Biden took office. And let's not, let's not you know, play... Uh, uh, um, you know, be namby-pamby about it. The 10 most dangerous cities in the United States are cities run by Democrats. And the Democratic leadership doesn't seem to want to change the views, especially going to bail reform. They sit and say, oh, we got to do this about guns. Uh, You know, we've got to do this about, you know, police. We've got to do that. They're not going after the thugs. They're not teaching those who are committing the crimes a serious lesson, so they don't want to do it again. It's pretty obvious, guys. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Jill in Virginia. Go ahead, Jill, your thoughts. Hello. This uh, attitude, this war on self-defense, I believe it goes back way more than 50 years. When I was in school, the people in authority, the teachers would say, don't hit back, come to somebody in authority. But if you did, all you would get was words. I remember some boy was trying to trying to push me around the hallway, and he made some some motion like he was going to hit me. So I popped him, and, and his lip was bleeding, and he threatened to go to the principal. I told him, go ahead and tell. I was sure the principal would side with me. I was very naive in those days. But apparently he didn't go go to the principal because he didn't want to admit that, that he, I, he lost the fight. That, I, and, and that and Jill that he lost to a girl, too. Wow, Jill, you could be our bodyguard. We need more Jills out there. I'm telling you, you're tough stuff. That's great. Jill, thank you. I love the call. And you're right. I mean, uh, but I do think that things have gotten so much worse on the streets. I mean, it's different when it's a, a schoolyard fight than now when it's just sadly uh, people just walking the street and some really serious, serious stuff. Uh, let's go to Michael, line four in Newark. Go ahead, Michael, your thoughts. Hey, there. well, we saw what we could do back in the 90s when the mayor and the governor had the back to the cops and they put people away in New York. You know, every single Republican campaign should have the videos of the, of the kid beating the cop and the Lee Zeldin getting attacked and all these things that are always caught on camera. Every single campaign should be playing these over, saying this is what comes to your town if the Democrats take over. You know, you brought up uh, the Lee Zeldin case, too, um, because, thank goodness, the Fed stepped in and decided to arrest him on federal charges because he's a congressman. But how sad is that, that the New York state laws allowed for the judge to be able to let that guy go after he assaulted, even though he was charged with attempted second-degree assault, which was outrageous. I contend it should have been first-degree assault because he could have killed him. Um, And it took feds to step in to actually 
make it serious charges where you can now actually get some serious time. But it's only because it's, a again, a member of Congress. For the average citizen, they don't have that. And that, to me, is such a sad, sad testament, Michael. Um, and, and you're right. It shows that good leadership can make a difference. I mean, that's the key. Uh, let's go to Mike in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Line three. Go ahead, Mike. Rita, I thought I saw the utmost atrocity occur yesterday that was captured on NBC4, Channel 4 News. What's that? The bishop being robbed. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. What is, yeah. Excuse me, but what is next? Somebody going into St. Patrick's Cathedral? Was somebody going in into the Cathedral of Divine during church services and robbing the robbing the cardinal? No, I. You know what? You're right. It is heartbreaking when you see this footage. Here he is, this Brooklyn pastor speaking, and in the middle of the live stream sermon, these armed guys come in, start robbing him and others. It is shocking. We're going to continue with your call. Rita Cosby is on. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, a powerful story coming from Lakewood, Colorado, where Cheyenne Frontier Days pays tribute to heroes in the Rocky Mountain region. Their first hero, which was announced just a few days ago during the inaugural rodeo, was Agent Ashley Ferris of the Lakewood, Colorado Police Department, who stopped a mass shooter last December. Think about this, how heroic. The gunman had already shot five people at the Belmar Shopping Center in Lakewood, Colorado, when Agent Ferris rushed the shooter and in the process was shot. Despite a bullet hitting her in the abdomen while she was on the ground, Ferris shot and killed the shooter. Authorities say that she saved countless lives. More than 20,000 attendees of Cheyenne's rodeo roared their approval when the announcer broke in during the action to recognize her heroism over the weekend. Uh, The announcer said, the great agent who saved numerous lives is with us today. And Agent Ferris rose from her seat and waved to the spectators. The announcer said, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you of I present to you of the Lakewood Police Department Agent Ashley Ferris. She is a true, true hero among us. And the crowd went crazy and gave her a standing ovation for many, many minutes. How beautiful to see that and to see her hard work and her heroism being appropriately recognized. And boy, are we lucky to have our great men and women in blue. And because I love our law enforcement, I get so angry when I see these images of people disrespecting law enforcement, including this latest footage. This one's coming out of New York City, 
where you see literally a police officer getting punched 18 to probably about 20 times by a 16-year-old thug who is a repeat offender who jumped a turnstile. He's got a criminal past. He was previously arrested for a loaded gun and robbery. He gets stopped by the cop, and this cop starts wrestling with him because the guy punches the cop in the head and punches him over and over again, topples him. I mean, there is complete disregard for the fact that he is a police officer who is asking him to basically stop. You just jumped a turnstile. And that doesn't matter to this thug. And the fact that he was already a repeat offender, guess what? He got out within a day. That is shocking. And that seems to be par for the course. The last caller was talking about Lee Zeldin, the case with Lee Zeldin, Congressman Lee Zeldin, the guy who shows up on stage at an event with Lee Zeldin, goes, tries to stab him basically with this sharp object that he had in his hand, these knuckles with these pointy ends. And the guy gets out, too. Within a few minutes, it seems like the paperwork from the police department wasn't even done before the guy gets out. And that was a member of Congress. The guy jumps on stage trying to kill him, basically. And luckily, the guy, again, is behind bars with federal charges. But what is happening to the fact that things are just degrading so badly here in our society to the point where criminals just feel so emboldened to do that, to rob a pastor, as we were just saying, in the middle of a live sermon that was happening in Brooklyn. And then there's a case out of Dallas, too, where these people were driving their cars, and their car got sideswiped, and they went out to the car to talk to the other driver. The driver suddenly gets angry at the women in the car, starts pulling them out and beating one of the women, starts spitting at them all, then drags one of the women out, starts beating on them. Over a small case of a car accident? My goodness, what the heck is happening? Well, President Biden today, who is still not really fully back to work because he's still dealing with COVID and taking the antivirals and all that stuff. Well, he said, you know what? We are not the party of defund the police. We Democrats are not the party. Really? I could play comments over and over again from people like Cory Bush and all these others who over and over again are like, let's defund the police, AOC, all these people over and over again. But guess what? It's election time. So suddenly President Biden now says, oh, we should fund the police. Take a listen. I believe that we should protect you, protect you. And and I'll keep saying it. When it comes to public safety, the answer isn't to defund the police. The answer is to fund the police, fund the police. Well, and I wholeheartedly agree. The problem is you can fund the police, but first off, it looks very politically motivated that now somehow he didn't say anything when the riots were taking place and police officers were getting their heads beat in during the 2020 riots. Remember, it was like, oh, don't worry about it. Nancy Pelosi was like, they should keep on protesting. Kamala Harris, they should keep on protesting. And now suddenly they're seeing that crime is such a huge issue And that people really want safe communities that maybe will kind of turn it around just a few months before the November election. You know, let's try to maybe say, oh, we never said that. But guess what? We have it on tape. They said it over and over and over again. And Jesse Waters on The Five today said, you know what? It doesn't even matter if he tries to throw money at the police department. Now it's too late. There's too many other things that need to be fixed, too. Joe Biden's like the child that's told to clean his room and he just puts all his mess under his bed. Mm, He doesn't want to actually do the work to reduce 
crime. He just wants to look like he's doing yeah. it. So, so what? So Biden sends a couple million dollars to a few police departments. It's not the issue. It's not about money. It's about morale. You can't hire, and everyone wants to retire. Mm. So a few of the monies are going to get to these police departments. What are they going to spend it on? More cruisers, a new crime lab? Good. Gas. You, gas <laughs> money? To quote Crooked, what difference does it make if all of the criminals are going to be let out by dumb DAs and bad bail laws? And these criminals are like children. They know what they can get away with. They do know what they can get away with. It's like a kid who puts his hand on a hot stove. Guess what? If he doesn't get burned, he kind of goes, oh, let me try it again. Or he steals candy. Let me do it again. You need to teach them a lesson. And you need to send a message to your party, Joe Biden, not just now suddenly because the election's around the corner that, oh, maybe we should support police. What about doing that innately? And what about condemning the people in your party who have said otherwise? 1-800-848-9222. Two, two. Let's go to Danny in Long Island. Line four. Go ahead, Dan. Your thoughts. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Before I talk about the subway incident, you know, we had the officer get assassinated in Rochester the other day. And I just I hadn't heard anything about the suspect. So I Googled it about an hour ago. And the guy had two uh, gun arrests as a juvenile and one gun conviction as a 19 year old. And he was still out. He was still out. And he came up behind the car and he shot two cops in the back. Oh, my gosh. Before the age of 21 should never have been out of jail. And that poor man, 25 years in a police department now, four children and a wife is dead because because the politicians uh, failed him. Liberal politicians failed that man. And that three gun convictions. That's incredible. You know what I hate to say, Danny? Sadly, it's it is. We're hearing this over and over again. And you bring up a perfect example. Why was this guy even out? Uh, he should not even be out. I feel like it is it is so tough for law enforcement. They're arresting these people. They're trying to do the best they can to keep all of us safe. They're arresting these people, and then they're back out on the street. And guess what? As I just said, people get more and more violent, and they have such a disrespect for police. I mean, that's the ultimate. That's that's the that's just so heartbreaking, and it's it's horrible. Uh, to hear of what's happening with these increased assaults on officers, increased murders of officers, as you just talked about, um, and what do you have to? What do you have to wait till that happens? That you throw the book at a criminal? You got to catch them before they feel emboldened. And then you see this footage of this guy punching the cop. There, there's just such a lack of respect for officers, and we have to appreciate and treasure our, our great men and women in blue, Danny. Well, I, when I look at that video, first of all, the kid was 16 years old. And I don't know what they're teaching the cops. I don't know if the cops are afraid to defend themselves. The first thing I notice that nobody anymore in the city of New York carries a nightstick. And a nightstick is a wonderful thing because it's three feet long. It's made out of wood. And you can point it at someone and keep the person away from them. You can lean on them with the stick. You can pin them to the ground. You can pin them to the wall. Or when a guy wants to start punching me in the face, I'm going to bring it down on his clavicle and shatter the bone and put him in. And the assault is now going to be over. This cop is wrestling with him. There's no wrestling here. I have a gun on my hip. And if you start wrestling with me, that gun is as close to your hand as it is to mine. There's no wrestling. I don't know what they're being taught, but put your hands behind your back. You're under arrest nicely, once or twice. Then I'm going to take out my nightstick, and if that doesn't give you the idea that this cop is about to lay me out, well, then we're going to fight. And like my father told me 50 years ago, we have to win. We have to go on to the next emotionally disturbed person, the next robber. So if you're going to take
handcuff you and I go home. And the next night I have to be back on that platform to deal with the next person. And it, I don't know what they're teaching these cops, but that was a grown man, that cop. He was much bigger than the suspect, and he was afraid to defend himself to the point where the guy got him in a headlock and was choking him out. And the female partner, nowhere to be found. I don't know what's going on anymore. Yeah, and by the way, there was a guy I, I saw in the video. It was like another officer. I don't know if he happened to be nearby or if it was his partner. It was a guy who came up like in his shorts. It looked like it was, you know, I don't know if he was someone who was behind the booth or I don't know who he was, but he comes up and like, Finally, I'm like, yeah, I'm like waiting. Like, where is I, I? The other thing I'm wondering, Danny, when I was looking at that footage, too, was not only like, where are the other officers? What are the bystanders doing? I mean, there's got to be it's it's in the subway. There's got to be a whole bunch of big guys there. Um, the guy was using his his, you know, his fists. But if I was a big guy and a bystander, I would certainly try to come and help the cops. You know, you, you get like one or two big guy bystanders helping and pull the guy off the cop. You know what I mean? It's like, what was everybody doing? You know, it's like the poor cop is just getting pounded on. And it's like nobody seems to be doing anything. It looks like it's like WWE for a couple minutes. But that, that's nothing new. I, was, I, I had a fight with a guy in 42nd Street 30 years ago. And he was trying to grab my gun out of my holster. I was surrounded by 500 people. They were, they were loving it. They didn't do nothing. I'm not saying they were going to hurt me, but they didn't do anything to help. Most people freeze. They don't understand what they're looking at. They're afraid to get involved. And, and the rest of the people are just going to film it and try to make money off it. How sad is that? And why is that, Danny? What do you attribute that to? Do you feel that? Um, but I feel like it's gotten worse, Danny. I mean, I really do. Don't you? I mean, the fact that. You know, one of our first uh, first callers on the show here was talking about the time, and we all remember it, sadly, where the law enforcement, remember where the officers were getting the water, like, thrown in their face. And I think about, you know, Black Lives Matter protesting, the pigs in a blanket, the marching down the street. I mean, it, to me, it was disgusting. Um, but but they just seem to be so much more emboldened. The cops took the water in their face and walked away. They're grown men. At some point... You're going to act like a man, and you're going to do your job. Because if you're not afraid, if you can't if you can't grab a kid who's throwing water balloons at you, what are you going to do with an armed robber? As I said before, when, you, when the city of New York spent their entire budget making sure they had a diverse police force, well, they may not be able to go to war with that police force because they, they counted numbers. They want to make sure of a certain amount of this, a certain amount of this, a certain amount of this. I went on with 3,000 people. All we were concerned about was locking up the bad guys. That's all we wanted to do was be Batman and Robin, lock up drug dealers, lock up. We didn't care. Now they have to have a certain amount of this, a certain amount of that. Some of the cops are five foot tall. It's a joke. And so now all of a sudden, it's like the new army. But now all of a sudden, you have to go to war with that army, and you have half the army that's not capable of going to war. So what are you going to do? Yeah, well, it is heartbreaking. We need to still back them, whether they're six feet tall or five feet tall, Daddy. Because, you know, you can't have uh, law and disorder in major cities across America. Um, but we also need to make sure that they feel emboldened. Um, and it was much better. I mean, I talked to so many cops, just like you said, you know, I still think, obviously, they've got to still do their job and still do the best they can. But we also got to change the back end of the system that these people don't get back out again. And how dare people feel at any point, whether it was years ago or now, and especially we're seeing more of it, these attacks on police. It, it is just shameful. But you're right. They still have to do the best they can and try to block it out as tough as that is. Uh, let's go to Norman. Line one. Norm, your thoughts about this? Uh, first of all, my thoughts are thank you, Danny. 
it was a hell of a story. Yeah, boy, was it. <laughs> so anyway, exactly. Boy, was it. Yeah. So anyway, so um, from my standpoint, it's a personal standpoint also. Um, uh, it's finally after six months, there's going to be a trial for the guy who assaulted me. So next week I go back to Washington, D.C. And uh, it's, uh, you know, whatever. It's a stressful week. So, so yeah, tell us again, yeah. Norm, again, I can't believe so there will actually be a trial. The yeah, guy was out, I, right? I can't he... believe it either. I, I'm actually surprised if he shows up. Okay. The, uh, a guy was leaving Amtrak station. I was going to a mandate rally with a friend of mine. We left the station in front of uh, Union Station in Washington, D.C. They have a homeless encampment. The guy came over, big guy, like six foot three. A uh, guy came over and asked my friend for a cigarette because my friend smokes and you can't smoke in the station, obviously. So my friend lit up as soon as we were out of the station. Um, my friend says, it's my last one. Guy says, I'll take, uh, I'll take your cigarette. He goes, no, I'll take yours. And he reaches out to grab my friend's cigarette. I go, no, no, no. We walk. <laughs> I mean, it was shocking. You know, I never, it was a home, you know, it was to have a, you know, homeless guy that aggressive that he wants, he's grabbing a cigarette out of your mouth. So we, we walked about, you know, I said, get the away from me. And I walked about 80 feet away, 50 feet, 80 feet, something like that. Next thing you know, I hear running behind me. I turn my head. Bam! I get punched in the head. I go down on the ground. It broke my forearm. And as I was trying to get up, the guy punched me in my mouth, which, you know, I was bleeding out of my mouth. And then he receded into the background somewhere. Uh, life sl- slowed down a lot. And um, we kept walking. And then my forearm was on fire, called 911. Cops took me. There was no rally for me. I went straight to Howard University Hospital where I spent the day getting CAT scans and x-rays and all that. And uh, that's that. The guy was arrested and uh, I made a positive uh, ID on him. Now, what was Um, his background? Was he a repeat offender real quick, Norm? You know, I don't really know what his story is, but, you know, he has a you know, he, uh, yes, he's a, well, no, he's a transient. He has no address. He lives in, he lives on, you know, somewhere around the train station. Right. And you, and by the way, you and I even talked about that norm too, because there's like all those homeless encampments right there. Um, wow. Well, keep us posted on your personal case too, Norm. Um, and first off, I'm so glad that you're okay. I know you've talked about this before, but keep us posted now. Uh, that is going in a legal proceeding, what happens and what they actually do with this guy who assaulted you. Um, Norm, thank you very much. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. What is happening that criminals feel so brazen? A lot of them homeless, just as you heard of Norm's case, uh, and a lot of them not afraid to attack even police officers or arrest a pastor. My goodness. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. 
Handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. This is the Rita Cosby Show. The cops have been down and out, but they are still continuing to try to keep us safe. Boy, that powerful story from Danny talking about what he went through. And thank goodness there are still men and women who want to be police officers and want to keep going down the highway, whether they're highway patrol or whether they're in the subways or whether they're in the streets anywhere across America, because it's a real tough time to be a cop now, especially as we're seeing this new footage out of New York City, where at a station, 125th and Lexington, where a cop who's stopping somebody who jumps a turnstile suddenly gets into like this like brawl with him and gets punched like 80, 18 to 20 times. It's horrible to see the disrespect to cops. And then you see this pastor who is in New York, who's in the middle of a sermon. And then these robbers come in and are robbing him in the middle of a sermon. And then there's a woman in Dallas who suddenly gets sideswiped by a car and they start pulling her out and beating her. I mean, things are getting really bad. And it's because criminals are feeling emboldened. And that is a sad, sad testament. Let's go to Mike on line four. Go ahead, Mike. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show. How are you, Rita? Yeah, bikers and cop, uh, motorcycle cops always had something in common. And we had a silent type of a friendship, you know, through, through, through just saying hello and waving, and that's it. But one time, me and a buddy of mine, about 35 years ago, we were on the Grand Central, and a, 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 a motorcycle cop gave chase across the highway by himself uh, uh, to get two, two guys that mugged a woman in Flushing Meadow Park. We helped them out. But anyway, make a long story short, uh, they invited us to almost every barbecue they had for maybe, I don't know how many years. And there was a woman that called you up one time, and I think her husband was Zipper or something. And I think I met him back then. I heard him mention that name on your radio show. But anyway... Uh, you know, but they came with regular clothes with their choppers and their motorcycles and stuff like that. I think we should all get together with all the motorcycles, the, the bikers and the motorcycle cops, and have a nice parade down through all of these freaking roads where all these hoodlums are hanging out. And we'll just give them a sense of what, what power really is, all right? Because um, we, we, we can outnumber them and outpower them. But we got to do it, man. We just can't go in and just talk about it, man. The bikers are willing to, to help the cops, man. We're always there for them when, when they need us. They're always there for us on toy runs and all that stuff. We got to get together. And the bikers could do it. All right, Rita? Maybe we could do something with this. By the way, some the of those bikers, cops. those motorcycle cops are great. By the way, did you see the other day there was a guy on horseback? 
And the guy on horseback, did you see him, like, chasing? There was a, uh, a guy who had, I think, robbed a store in front of him. And the guy on horseback was chasing him. I thought it was great. So if, if they can do it on horseback, they can definitely do it on the motorcycle. I agree with you. Thank you very, very much, Mike. We love you. Thank you. Uh, let's go to Al in Yonkers real quick, Al, real quick. Oh, yeah, Rita, hi. You know, I just wanted to say the police situation uh, nationally, uh, I think it will improve once federally the uh, Senate in 2022 is taken back by the Republicans, which I believe it will, and then 2024 when President Trump comes back. Uh, As you know, in Minneapolis, when they had the uh, riots, President Trump called the, uh, the confused mayor in Minneapolis and said to him, what do you need Uh, from me so we can restore order in your city. Uh, Since he didn't know what to do, uh, you know, we had the riots and the fires. But but you know what? But you know what? Your point is a good one. It comes from the top. Leadership from the top is 1,000% the key. We're going to continue, by the way, Al and everybody else with your calls. And also, former Trump advisor Peter Navarro coming up in the next hour. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And President Trump, in rare form, he was out at the turning point USA gathering, and it looks like very much he is planning to run in 2024. Uh, they took a poll out there of the attendees. These are mostly sort of young Republicans, you know, led by Charlie Kirk and a number of others there at Turning Point. And overwhelmingly, the gathering chose President Trump as who they would like to see run on the GOP side in 2024. Almost 78.7%, close to 79%, said Trump, Trump, Trump. 19% picked DeSantis, so that's a big spread. And that seems like overwhelmingly, at least among this group, they are definitely pushing for President Trump. By the way, coming up in just a few minutes, we are going to talk to President Trump, one of close, one of his closest allies, and someone who has been just a staunch supporter and advisor for President Trump Peter Navarro, his former trade advisor, who is dealing with these contempt of Congress charges, just like Steve Bannon. He's going to be coming up in just a few minutes here on the show, talking about what's happening with his own case. He also has a powerful book uh, that you don't want to not get. It is about Trump and the roadmap for sort of Trump in 2024. He lays it all out in the book. Um, So he's going to talk about that. And I can't wait to get his take on some of these new developments also that are coming tied to January 6th because it seems like the Democrats and the two sort of Republicans in name only, pseudo-Democrats, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, on the January 6th committee, it's like every time we turn around, there's like some little drip, drip, drip. It's going to keep going. I I feel like, again, I feel like I'm going to be, you know— uh, you know, in a wheelchair in my 90s, and they're going to say, hey, we have our uh, another January 6th hearing. It's just going to keep on coming, guys, because 
every day there's some little January 6th leak. And this is, again, what Adam Kinzinger said about the primetime hearing last week and his impressions of President Trump. Donald Trump's conduct on January 6th was a supreme violation of his oath of office and a complete dereliction of his duty to our nation. It is a stain on our history. It is a dishonor to all those who have sacrificed and died in service of our democracy. When we present our full findings, we will recommend changes to laws and policies to guard against another January 6th. And everything is January 6th. Forget about crime as we've been talking about. Oh, inflation. They're going to try to like rewrite the definition of inflation this week. President Biden's numbers are tanking in the polls. Where's the gas? He's selling some of it reportedly to China. I mean, my goodness, there are so many issues to talk about. Hunter Biden, I could go on and on and on. But all that matters to the January 6th committee, it seems, is to basically try to do whatever they can to prevent Donald Trump from ever running again. And in fact, today, this was stunning. Congresswoman Elaine Laura, um, she is of uh, Virginia, Democrat of Virginia, Elaine Laura, she came out and on her social media, because there wasn't a hearing today. So we had the hearing last week with Adam Kinzinger and everything. So in the hearing, she doesn't put this out. But today on her social media, she puts out today another little nugget. It's like every day there's going to be some like January 6th drop, right? And the latest one is a document that shows that President Trump basically rewrote the words from some of the people that were advising him, you know, in the press office and elsewhere. They had remarks for him called Remarks on National Healing, and it was a document that he was supposed to be reading on January 7th after what happened on January 6th. And they took issue, the committee, when they were interviewing a whole bunch of people under oath, remember, because these are just videotape snippets that they put out, and said that, did it bother you that President Trump kicked out some lines? He kicked out a couple lines where he said that those who got into the Capitol, that they would be criminally responsible. President Trump changed the words to say, if you broke the law, you will pay. And they said, oh, that's really bad. That's really bad. Take a listen to, again, what this congresswoman put out today and says this is just another sort of uh, seer in President Trump's side. This is a little bit of some of the testimony describing some of the changes in what was in the document that they wanted President Trump to say. These are people in the White House with President Trump at the time and talking about some of the changes. This is cut 27. Take a listen. It looks like here that that he crossed out uh, that he was directing the Department of Justice to ensure all lawbreakers are prosecuted to the full extent of the law. We must send a clear message, not with mercy, but with justice. Legal consequences must be swift and firm. Do you know why he wanted that crossed out? Uh, I don't know. And that needed to be stated for you. They did not represent him or uh, or, or the his political views in any form or fashion. He also has crossed out, I want to be very clear, you do not represent me. You do not represent our movement. Do you remember, do you know why he 
cross that language out of the statement? I don't know. I don't know. But it wasn't. How was that searing? They made it sound like that's like some major, major indictment on President Trump. I don't really know why he cut that out. And indeed, he did say, if you broke the law, you will pay. So it wasn't like he, you know, he was changing some of the language. They felt he was watering it down. But it wasn't like he was saying, if you got into the Capitol, nothing's going to happen to you. But this, to me, is like indicative of what's going to happen. It's going to be like this drip, drip, drip every single day. And this comes as last week, former Trump ally and still current Trump ally, Steve Bannon, was found guilty of two counts of contempt of Congress for defying the January 6th committee because they had wanted to have him come and appear and also for him to turn over documents. And he was convicted pretty quickly by a jury last week. Take a listen to some of the comments after he was found guilty. I only have one disappointment, and that is the gutless members of that show trial committee. The J6 committee didn't have the guts to come down here and testify in open court. And joining us now is former Trump trade advisor and staunch ally of the president, Peter Navarro. He has a great new book that's coming out, uh, Taking Back Trump's America. Peter, great to have you here on the show. Hey, Rita. It's always good to be with the WABC signal. It's uh, it's an amazing thing, and you guys got a good thing going. Thank you very much. Boy, there is so much to ask you about, Peter, and I want to start, if I could, with um, your reaction to, first off, um, you know, uh, Steve Bannon. What was your reaction to the fact that he got convicted on both counts? Uh, look, I, I got my own lawsuit to fight. Steve and I are in the fight of our lives. Uh, I myself uh, wound up in leg irons and solitary confinement for simply trying to uh, do my duty, honor the Constitution, and obey the commander-in-chief. Uh, I think the message for people listening to this is it's not about me and Steve um, or President Trump. Uh, they, they can cover any of us. They can cover everybody. And that's the problem we're facing now. We got a dual system of justice, uh, one for the Trump people and one for for these uh, uh, Democrat and people, whoever it is, who who will stab a governor's candidate in New York and get out on bail the next day. And you know, I'm in leg irons. Go figure. Yeah, that's right. Because you got stopped suddenly. You're there at the airport, um, and it was quite dramatic by all accounts. Are are you concerned after the conviction from the jury with Steve Bannon? Look, I, I, like I say, I've got a, I've got a legal team. We're fighting uh, our, our battle, and uh, let, let's see what happens. I think, you know, from, from look, um, I'm focused on signal, not noise. The signal for me, and I, the reason why I wrote Taking Back Trump's America, is we desperately, urgently need to take back the House uh, of Representatives from Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She's a one-gavel wrecking crew. And I've got a battle plan uh, and blueprint in taking back Trump's America to do that. And it's important that people want to get Donald Trump back in the White House in 2024 to put an end to the House weaponizing the investigatory powers of Congress in an illegal way. Um, And because they did that, uh, that's kind of how I wound up um, caught between uh, the Constitution and Pelosi's gavel. 
and um, I'll always choose the Constitution, no matter what it what it uh, costs me personally. And everybody, we're talking to former Trump advisor Peter Navarro. Peter, you know, is it also going to be a bit of a you know payback time, if you will? You know, if the Republicans take back the House. You know, there's a lot of investigations. I mean, you, there's a lot of unanswered questions related to January 6th with security issues um, and other things that are clearly not being presented with um, a very partisan January 6th committee. And what about Hunter Biden? I mean, there's a lot of things that could be opened. Well, we go back to uh, you know, I, I was one of only three senior White House officials that was with the boss from the campaign in 2016 all the way to the end. And what, what what troubled me from the get-go, for example, was the Russia hoax. Uh, there's still people in America who don't understand what the hell it was, and they think the boss did something wrong. And it was, it was turns out to be totally discredited plot hatched by Hillary Clinton and, unbelievably, FBI agents inside that, that, that once sacred agency. And so... Uh, I think what we do is we need to get to the bottom of a lot of things. We need to get to the bottom of how that hoax happened. We need to get to the bottom of what happened on November 3rd uh, with the election. We need to get to the bottom of how Nancy Pelosi, Liz Shane, and everybody in between on that committee um, is, is effectively weaponizing Congress when what they should be doing is taking care of our uh, economy. I mean, we, we, we are in the worst economy I've ever seen in my life. And I say that as a PhD in economics from Harvard who specializes in forecasting and macroeconomics. So that's what I'm focused on. That's why I wrote the Taking Back Trump's America book. And, you know, I'm deeply, deeply concerned that if Pelosi hangs on to the reins of power, um, we're doomed because we're, we just keep digging ourselves deeper and deeper and deeper into a hole. And these people do not understand the economy, and all they want um, is to take Trump out and make sure he's not president again. And it's just, you know, orange man bad. I've had enough of it. I've had enough of it. You know, uh, if you look at some of the numbers, too, of the current president, my goodness. I mean, as you know, they're abysmal, Peter Navarro, Um, even among like Hispanics and young people, Democrats. uh, There was a headline in The Washington Post was quit, Joe, quit, Um, you know, and they're not exactly a conservative publication. Um, You talk about in your book, uh, Taking Back Trump's America, sort of the roadmap. Um, You've also said that you believe that Trump will run in 2024. Um, and he sort of hinted about that. He's been hinting about it a lot in the last few days. Do you feel that way more than ever? I, I don't. For me, I, there's no question that he's going to run because uh, this is a man who gave up a tremendous amount uh, of privacy and and, uh, and enjoyment in his private life to, to do the right thing. And there's really nobody better in this country to take over the reins of power in this situation. I mean, I, I remember going in, I, I was uh, I was the, the trade advisor. I was the guy who was tough on China and pushing tariffs and, and saying, you know, we need to bring our jobs home. And we were ridiculed. And we were as crackpot economists and this, that, and the other thing. And even like the Wall Street Journal accused me twice of, of we're going to have a Navarro recession because of the president's trade policies. And, you know, at the end of the day, you are what your record are, is. And our record 
strongest economy in modern history because we understood uh, what 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 made an economy tick. And it was strategic energy dominance. It was fair trade. It was sealing up our southern border and protecting our wages. And so, yeah, I mean, he, he, we need him. I think uh, there's no question that he'll run. There's no question, I think, um, that he will win if um, we we basically run uh, the kind of campaign that I think he should run, which is, um, and I described this in, in Taking Back Trump's American Book, it's tough on China, it's running on MAGA principles. And Fair do, trade, do you think also, borders, and endless wars. And do you think, sorry to interrupt you there, Peter, do you think also uh, there will be others in the field? Do you think he'll beat out whoever else may decide to run or not run in the GOP side? Um, I think... Um, I think we need to get Pelosi out of the House. Um, you know, there's there's differing thoughts about whether the boss should declare before or after the election. You know, some Richard Barris, I'm a real fan of his, he, he says that Trump should wait until after the election so the, the uh, Republicans can't blame him if, if they underperform. Uh, but but I think after that, um, I think he, he gets in and he clears the field. I, I actually wrote a, an article and it's part of the Taking Back Trump's America book that, that he and Ron DeSantis should get together as a team early, president, vice president, and, and that, that no one would challenge that. I, you know, I think that's what he, uh, his best alternative is. Uh, but even if uh, DeSantis can't uh, join him or won't, uh, Trump's going to have a pretty clear field. Well, we will be watching closely, and everybody, Peter Navarro's book is Taking Back Trump's America. Peter, always great to have you here on the show, and you got to come back on again soon. Great to have you here. All right. Go get him, Rita. Thank you very much, Peter Navarro. Very interesting, and what an interesting time. He knows Trump well. You just heard Peter just tell us here on the show that he believes it will be Trump and DeSantis and that Trump will definitely run And maybe DeSantis as his VP, because things are a mess, like crime and the economy and a lot more. We're taking your calls after the break, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And we were just talking to former Trump advisor Peter Navarro, one of his closest advisors, who talked about the fact that he believes President Trump will be running in 2024, whether DeSantis is on the ticket or not, or whether DeSantis runs on his own or not. And he believes that the field will be cleared for President Trump and that all the stuff that's happening with January 6th, that is about politics. And if you listen to Congresswoman Loria, Democrat of Virginia, who released some of the tidbits today, it's like every day they're going to try to have like some little January 6th update. 
to try to keep it in the news. And this is what she said last week during the hearing. When I entered the U.S. Naval Academy at age 17, I spent two decades on ships at sea defending our nation from known and identifiable foreign enemies who sought to do us harm. I never imagined that that enemy would come from within. Wow. So where do you see this headed? And do you believe, as Peter Navarro was saying, that so much of this is politics, 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 and selective prosecution that he and Steve Bannon and others are going through firsthand? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Andrew on line through. Andrew, go ahead. That was, hey, Rita, that was the perfect clip to play because every time I listen or watch, it reminds me of acting classes that I took in college or high school, you know, like silly, bad kids, you know, that are actors that aren't really talented, you know, inexperienced. So that was like the perfect clip, the way they deliver it, you know, with the insincere and phony. Plus, she was ready she should have said she was ready to defend our country she was not in combat so she wasn't actually defending she was prepared to defend but you know what i mean like every every uh line is just so i would say saturday night live but saturday night live is actually funnier you know and more professional but it just reminds me of my college acting class well and also and, you uh, know andrew it looks very transparent like you said that that everything is about we have to do what we can to make sure he doesn't run again. And even some of the stuff, and listen, it's disheartening to see that there were certain things I absolutely think he should have done on January 6th in, in terms of responding sooner. But, you know, you look at the the comments, even today that she put out, like, oh, he changed this line in the speech that he gave. Well, he's the president of the United States. He can change any line he wants, you know. Uh, I mean, he's allowed to change whatever he wants. He's allowed to speak when he wants. And he did do a speech the following day, and he said anybody who broke the law, they will pay a price. I mean, it wasn't like he wasn't being tough enough, but because he didn't use the words that a lower-level speechwriter gave, you know, that he's somehow dereliction of duty. It's like if he goes to the wrong bathroom, it's a dereliction of duty. If he brushes his teeth... On the wrong side, it's a dereliction of duty. I mean, they just seem like so intent on this. When we get back, everybody, we're going to continue with your calls. What do you make of this? And Peter Navarro says Trump is running. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which I always love doing here on the show, where we get to honor our great men and women in the military, and of course, their great families too as well. A powerful story coming from the Richmond, Virginia area, where Rexford Rex Lane was an Army medic, by the way, back in World War II, and in honor of his service, Members of the Lafayette chapter of the Sons of the American Revolution near Richmond celebrated Lane's 98th birthday by giving the veteran several certificates and other things. Lane said he was shocked to see his visitors on his birthday as he was greeted on his front porch. He said, wow, 
This is such a surprise. This chapter of the Sons of the American Revolution recognized him by giving the heroic veteran a War Service Medal for World War II and a veteran's pin. And also the Richmond Police Department gave him a certificate of service. And how beautiful to see him being surprised and appreciated on his 98th birthday. Again, he was an Army medic in World War II. How beautiful to see him and all of our great men and women in the military appreciated throughout their lives. Well, we are talking about the fact that we were just talking with uh, Peter Navarro, a uh, former trade advisor for President Trump, who is fighting his own contempt of Congress charges against the January 6th hearing. They charged him, indicted him on two charges. He's got his own case. Steve Bannon, as you know, was convicted, found guilty by the jury last week. And Peter Navarro says it is all about politics. And he also believes firmly that President Trump feels very emboldened to run in 2024. And he says the dream ticket would be Trump at the top and DeSantis as VP. And if you look at some of the new numbers with President Biden, uh, it looks like almost any of us could beat President Biden at this point. My goodness, his numbers are just tanking, tanking, tanking. Latest approval numbers, Quinnipiac poll, which is not like, you know, a conservative leaning poll, gives President Biden a 31 percent approval rating. That is a staggering number. And then another poll, another Quinnipiac poll that just came out a few hours ago. Uh, I don't want President uh, Biden to run again. 71% of adults, that includes Democrats and Republicans, say no. They do not want President Biden to run again. So there's no doubt that there will be a lot of people, obviously on the GOP side, but also on the Democratic side. You're seeing a lot of these Democrats like J.B. Pritzker, governor of Chicago, Gavin Newsom, governor of California, Kamala Harris, Buttigieg. All these people are sort of in the hopper and doing these kind of private meetings. Nobody wants to say it because they definitely don't want to say it before the November midterms. But I agree with a lot of these new comments that are coming out from people saying that he's just not ready for prime time to run. I'm glad I'm lucky. I hope he's going to make it for another two years. When I say lucky, I just hope I wish the best for everybody. He's got COVID. He's just moving so slow. He's like meandering all over the place, you know, and there was a Washington Post op-ed. This is stunning. The Washington Post, again, quite a liberal publication. The headline from this op-ed, quit, Joe, quit, coming from Democratic publications, guys. It is so bad. But President Biden, a little bit ago, was asked, how you feeling? Because remember, he's still dealing with COVID and he's still on the antivirals. And this is how he replied. Take a listen. Mr. President, how are you feeling with COVID? I'm feeling great. You know, I've had two full nights of sleep all the way through. (laughs) My dog had to wake me up this morning. My wife's not here. She usually takes him out in the morning while I'm upstairs working out. So I felt this nuzzle of my dog's nose against my chest about five minutes to seven. So, uh, no, but I'm feeling good. My voice is still raspy. Uh, I've had every morning, every afternoon, I mean, excuse me, every evening, I get a full-blown series of tests, everything from temperature to oxygen, the oxygen in in my blood to my pulse to, I mean, 
just across the board. And so far, everything's good. I mean, everything's on the button. Wow. He just sounds even more rough than he normally does. Needless to say, he's battling COVID, and of course, we wish him well. Uh, But Carl Rove, political strategist, the guy known as Bush's brain, says he has seen a president in action very closely, and this president is not ready for a second term. The notion that, you know, I I know it's pile-on time, and there's nothing he can do about that. Uh, but uh, realistically, he, I felt for more than a year, almost from the moment he got into office, that he was not going to be uh, a candidate in 2024 because he just that's a demanding job. And he's clearly having difficulty uh, living up to the rigors of the job. And Judge Janine Pirro on Fox News uh, said it a little more bluntly. What is it? Seventy one percent of the Americans don't want this guy to run again. He's only a year and a half into his presidency. I mean, you know, you can try to spin it any way you want. You can tell the American people don't believe your lying eyes. It's better than you think it is. The truth is, when you go to buy gas, when you go to the supermarket, when you go to buy baby formula, when you think about people in Afghanistan, when you talk about your neighbor whose kid's got a drug problem, and then you think about what's going on coming through the southern border, the fact that the word fentanyl has never come out of Joe Biden's mouth, this guy is totally clueless to what's going on in this country. Yeah, he seems completely out of touch and so many issues spiraling out of control as she just brought up. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to Don in Long Beach. Don, your thoughts. Go ahead. Hi, Rita. I think a Trump DeSantis ticket would be a very, very strong ticket. And God forbid, if anything happened to the president, you know, Trump DeSantis could step in. The question is, though, in Florida, he has done such a great job. Is there anybody there that could take his place? Uh, I'm just wondering, maybe there were some listeners in Florida that could comment on that. That it would take whose place, Don? Whose place is that? DeSantis. uh, Assuming that Trump and DeSantis win in 2024, uh, somebody would have to replace DeSantis as governor of uh, of Florida. So I don't know who's in Florida to do that on yeah. the Republican side. You know what? You know what? There's a couple people there. I mean, I'm thinking that's an interesting. First of all, we don't know if, uh, you know, it's not sure that Trump's going to run, but it sure sounds like it for sure. And, and you yeah. heard Peter Navarro. And then yeah. the question is, would DeSantis want to run with Trump? Um, would, is he eyeing president for himself? Is he would he wait it out of Trump? decides to run and maybe go again because Trump would just do one term. Would he want to do the ticket? Because um, obviously Trump helped him a lot, uh, his career and enormously. And that I agree that would be a really strong ticket. Uh, the I think Ashley Moody, she's like she's the attorney general down there. She's pretty sharp. Mm-hmm. I could see her maybe running. Um, okay. Maybe even the former AG, Pam Bondi. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of names I can sort of think of on the horizon there in uh you know, even some members of Congress may say, hey, go for governor. It could be an interesting, you know, there's a lot of good, strong, even congressmen uh, and women, you know, in that area, too. So, yeah, there's there's that that's interesting. You're you're right. You have to sort of think, OK, well, what's the next deck? Don, thank you very much. Let's go to Larry. Line two. Larry, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. You know, what might be Trump's Trump card. What's that? What? What's that? Running because he's going to be a one term president running a female such as Christy Noam or 
Janine Pirro as vice president. The reason being is, is that all those, first of all, it would put to rest finally all this macho, all this anti-man, uh, pro-women, you know, with, you know, coincided with the abortion issue. It would put to rest all that crap because you have a female on the ticket, all that sexist crap against men, against Trump for being a man. Okay, and also because he's going to do one term, it would it would leave the prospect of the first female president lingering on the horizon for all the women that and it would it would it would garner the female vote. Actually, that's a great and Larry, but Larry Hillary Clinton says that's hers. You know, <laughs> Watch her. Watch her. The, the first female president. I'm being facetious. She's, over, she's been over the hill 50 times already. Around the corner, over the hill. What do you want to But you know what's interesting? You know, I, you know what, Larry? I, I, I think you are on to something that, um, I mean, and I think DeSantis is obviously a very accomplished governor, too. I mean, it's an interesting choice. But I do think there's something interesting about a woman. I always sort of thought maybe he would pick a woman. Um, and maybe like you brought up, like a Kirstie Noem. By the way, I love Janine, too. Um, I don't know if she's running. I don't know if she wants to give up her uh, her day job. Um, but, um, but you know, I think about Kirstie Noem. Um, there's a number of members of Congress, too, that are pretty interesting. Um, there's uh, some other governors out there, too. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Nikki Haley is going to run. I don't know if he would even pick her because she kind of separated from him a little bit after January 6th, has tried to kind of come back in the fold. But, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of issues there. But I think that's interesting. I think that's a really, really good point. Larry, thank you very much. Let's go to Stan. Uh, line seven. Stan, your thoughts. Go ahead, Stan. Uh, you mentioned that Washington op-ed, correct? Yeah, the one that said yeah, yeah, quit, okay. Joe, yeah. quit. Now, quit, Joe, now, quit. Okay. But why did you miss the one on Friday in the New York Post? That's because guess what? I, guess what? I have two that hours. I can't Donald mention Trump everything. Stan, Stan, you are like eating hot peppers tonight. No, I didn't even get please. out my comment. What? Did you see that op-ed? I sure did. I did. And what did you think? He should, not be, he should not be president because of what January said. How come you didn't mention that? Because I didn't mention a lot of things, Stan, of if you didn't notice, you, would you know? Not that. that's, oh, no. Of course. No, that's, no, no. That's no, 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 Stan. Why I'll, didn't I'll you mention, mention it. it. Oh, I'm, I'm mentioning it now. I knew, <laughs> I knew, I knew, I knew you'd now. call. The I New knew York you'd Post. call. Why should I, why should I usurp of you? Not. I didn't think you would. <laughs> the, the, hey, look, the love letter of the New York Post basically sending out the message that he should not be president because of January 6th. That is an earthquake. To Republicans, whether you think so or not, I couldn't believe it. First of no, all, no. By the way, and stand, stand. I will give you that. You know, rarely do I agree with you, but I will agree with you that it was very powerful and stunning to see that in the New York Post. There was also some question, some comments questioning him, also in the Wall Street Journal as well. So you you missed that too, by the way. So I'll I'll, I'll sweeten it for you by saying that. So there were two publications that came out with that, um, but then you also have. Biden on the other end saying, quit, Joe, quit. And he's not even done with his first term yet. And you couple that also, Stan, with what happened here at the Turning Point USA and overwhelmingly Trump. You still look at the rallies. I mean, he did a rally, you know, in Arizona, you know, Friday, a huge turnout, big turnout. I mean, he's getting enormous crowds. Joe Biden comes out and you're lucky if you can count the people on one hand. So. I mean, how do you reconcile that, Stan? Just, you know, there are different, obviously different opinions, 
But now there's even a chorus of Democrats saying, quit, Joe, quit. So so where do you see this going, Stan? Rita, Rita, you, you didn't mention it because it doesn't benefit you to mention it. No, I would, I would be happy to mention it. You never mentioned Trump. Stan, I just gave you another one. I just told you about the Wall Street Journal. Did you All miss right, that one? All right, point. so there you go. Hold on to your hat. <laughs> I, okay, hear, I'm ready. I'm ready. Right, I hear that if Trump is nominated, that there are independent Republicans and independents. Are you ready? A third party will challenge and go into the election. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, by the way, maybe somebody like a Liz Cheney who is so impartial. Yeah, boy, is she impartial. But independents and Republican uh, uh, moderates, from what I'm hearing. By the way, I would not be surprised. You know, you might even see a Romney. You might see... Uh, I, by the way, I'm not even totally being facetious about maybe a Liz Cheney or a Kinzinger or some of these other folks uh, coming forward and doing that. Clearly, there's division clearly in the Republican Party. There is no question. Uh, but if you look on the other side, there's a lot of trouble on Joe's end, too. So it's not a panacea on the Democratic side. Stan, I love you. Always great to talk to you. And I'm ready for the dinner. let's eat that's a deal that's a deal love you stan thank you very much let's go to sam in brooklyn sam line three go ahead i don't first of all i want to i would like to understand how the hearing is even constitutional if the if the republicans don't have anybody on their side i know that's that's a great point but you know what the sad thing is because liz cheney and Adam Kinzinger, who I was just talking about with Stan, they are technically Republicans, even though I think they're more Democrats than almost any of the Democrats on the committee. They're more searing to Trump and clearly out to get Trump and hate Trump. Um, I wouldn't be surprised that they try to do some sort of run or some big political ambition beyond what we're seeing now. And because they are still technically Republicans in name only, if you will, uh, history is going to show there were two Republicans on there. But, I mean, it, it's so transparent, just like you said. There's not the other side is not presented. And I think, and I've always said this, Sam, it is a huge disservice to the American public because we deserve to get the full picture. I mean, I think there were things that clearly uh, were horrible on January 6th, but we're not getting the full story from these hearings. We're getting selective nuggets and selective comments and for that reason, it's a total disservice to the American public. And that is that's that's why it's it's just all politics. They just want to go after Trump. It's like anything they can do to stop him. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. one 800 848 And we're also going to talk about the passing of my friend, Paul Sorvino. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And welcome back to the Rita Cosby Show. I was so sad, as I know all of you were, to hear about the passing of the great actor Paul Sorvino. 83 years old. He passed away today. So many incredible films. Goodfellas. I mean, he was one of the main characters in Goodfellas. Um, Law and Order, um, so many great movies, and also on stage, um, nominated for a Tony. He was a singer. He sang uh, opera, a tenor, like an amazing singer. 
And I had the honor to know Paul, um, also know his wife, Didi. And the two of them together, they put together this cookbook of Italian recipes. And it was like a love affair, the two of them together. In fact, Paul and Didi came. I did a big birthday party with a lot of my radio colleagues a number of years ago. And Paul and Didi were like some of the first people who came because we were supporting the troops. And they were like, sign me up. Whatever it is, Rita, we're in. They were just two. Uh, two of them were like just as one and a true love affair. And my heart broke to hear that Paul Sorvino, the great actor and my friend, passed away um, a few hours ago. And I remember when I interviewed him here on the show right after their cookbook came out. And we talked about how we met his wife. Take a listen to a little bit of this great conversation with now the late Paul Sorvino. First, take us from the beginning how you guys met. It all starts with Fox, where I used to work, of course. <laughs> well, it started uh, on, uh, we were on Fox on Cavuto's show. Uh, I was on, and then she took my chair. Uh, she walked by me. I didn't know her. And I'm getting ready to go, and I see her in the coffee shop, and she's a beautiful brunette, gorgeous eyes, Actually, saw an aura around her. Now you know I'm uh, from Brooklyn. I'm not an aromatherapy type of person. So those shadows, this business of auras, that's just—I would never have believed it, but I saw it. So since I saw it, I believe it. So I really wanted to. I said, "My God, that's for me." I was smitten, and the producer asked if I wanted to go to dinner with them, and I said, "Is she going?" And Bruce said, "I'll ask her." And apparently, he said, "You got to go. You got to come." You know, so she said, okay. So she, we're walking to there, and I'm hovering next to her. And we get to the restaurant, uh, which is a block away. And I understand, by the way, it was Del Frisco's, one of my Del favorite Frisco, spots. yeah, yep, in New York course. on 6th Avenue. Yeah, right near Fox. So, of course, I put myself right near her so nobody could get near her. Good strategy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm talking to her, and, and it's going well. You know, she's not, uh, you know, she's, she's going well. She seems uh, fine. I put my arm around it. This is something you have to understand. I don't do this. It's not. I'm not that kind of fellow. I'm an old school Italian. Just not aggressive with women. Assertive, but not aggressive. And I just it was involuntary. I put my arm around her, around her waist, and she didn't stop me. And about five minutes later, I just leaned over and gave her a big smackaroo right on the lips. <laughs> I've never done anything like that in my life. So wait a minute, you just wait a minute, you, wait a minute, Paul. You point. you just meet her, and and yeah. you're you're on different segments on Cavuto, and here it is, not that long after, and you 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 lay this one on her. What what was yeah, your reaction? Like Twenty minutes later. <laughs> well, I think she was a little surprised, <laughs> but I knew she wasn't offended. And don't forget, I say this was an involuntary move. I didn't plan it; it just happened. She didn't smack I mean, you. No, she didn't smack me or punch me off the chair, and, you know, she can do that. <laughs> you know, as big a guy as I am, she's as tough as she wants, she wants to be. Yep. Somebody said something disparaging about my daughter last year, and she punched the guy to the floor. She just <laughs> shot out a punch and went down. <laughs> so, you will take nothing from nobody, especially if it's on her team, you know? Wow. Uh, and my heart breaks for Didi, uh, Didi Benke, now Didi Sorvino, who married Paul Sorvino, and what a great love story, the two of them together. Paul Sorvino uh, passing away a few hours ago, the great, great actor, and what a just a great, great guy. And I'm glad I got to share some of that with all of you because he was such a wonderful, joyous, fabulous, uh, giving soul who did so much on screen and also was just a joy off screen as well.
We're taking your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ in Queens. BJ, you've been waiting a while. Sorry about that. Go ahead, BJ. No no worries. You know, um, John Wayne said it best. He said, life is hard, but it's harder when you're stupid. And uh, the tidy bowl man from uh, uh, Forest Hills over there must have a very tough life. I'll just leave it at that. Are you ta- you're talking about what our prior caller, Stan? Is that uh, Stan the man? He- <laughs> yes, I think that's what he's calling himself. It must be a very tough life for him. But that said. Yeah, you know, the uh, thing know- is, BJ, he's consistent. I'll give him that. He's consistently grouchy. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. You can count on him like a busted uh, watch. He's right at least twice. Uh, a day. But I'll tell you this, um, you know, this whole uh, situation with the police is disgraceful, but it stems from the, the fish thinks from the head down. You have uh, a president who's at war with the uh, ideological war with the Supreme Court on uh, the right to carry arms. You have a governor who uh, keeps saying uh, well, she's going to be tough on crime and uh, they have these no bail laws and uh, Restorative justice. So, a mayor so, who's so, a fake cop. So, real quick, then, BJ, which because we just have a few seconds, where do you see this headed? Do you, by the way, do you think that Trump is going to run, given all these dynamics that are just going on across the country and across the state? One hundred percent. I might be wrong. I think he should announce before uh, the election, uh, because if he does, he will put the uh, stamp on it. Yep, we'll see where it goes, everybody. I'll talk to you tomorrow night. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024.